Well, it's not usually so funny if you're the one who misses the point, but it can be funny to make fun of other people who miss the point. So why don't we start there with some images that I found. First of all, if you have kids, you know sometimes they miss the point of a chair, right? That's just one version, all right? Keep going, go to the next one. So breaking news that 102 years ago, a boat sank. Some of you don't get it, so we'll move on. All right, go ahead. So this is great. Have a friend or a parent take a selfie. Now think about that. By definition, a selfie is taken by yourself. Missing the point. 24-hour protection, used two times a day. Missing the point. All right, next. Wireless HDMI cable. The cable's a wire Some of you need a little help here to get there, all right? This is the last one. Missing the point of a workout. Do not take a segue onto a treadmill because that is missing the point. Sometimes missing the point can be funny and other times it can not be so funny. Can you guess which one we're gonna do here this morning? Well, I'll give you a hint. You did not come to a comedy club. I hope that's not news to you. And so why don't you find Luke chapter 12 in your Bible You're going to want a copy of God's Word in front of you. There are some in the back if you don't have one. Um, I am really thankful that things that happened in the Bible don't always happen in the same way in today's world. Because there was one time when Jesus was preaching. Jesus did a lot of preaching. and, And he's talking about hypocrisy. He's talking about fearing God. He's talking about being bold. There's all these people around. Uh, It's really packed. Jesus is teaching. People are trying to hear and so forth. And then all of a sudden, this guy walks right up to him in the middle of this sermon. And I'm in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And it says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replies, man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. I mean, this guy has some serious courage, right? The middle of the sermon, he stands up and he gets up to the front and he's, hey, hey, Jesus, tell my selfish brother to divide the inheritance. All right, time out, side note. Please do not walk up here during the message and ask me to solve your family disputes. The uh, uh, awkward factor will be off the charts if you do that. Um, but, But in this day, this is what happened. Apparently, their dad had died. And it was probably the younger brother who came up to him because the older brother would be the one who gets the inheritance. And Jesus is teaching. He interrupts him and he says, Jesus, I need you to fix my problem right now. And Jesus' response was, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter? Now, Jesus doesn't have a problem with judges, right? He's just saying, that's not why I'm here, right? Sometimes it's easy to miss the point. You know, when I came up here a few minutes ago, you expected me to... Give you a sermon. No one, as I was walking up, was like, hey, it's that guy. You think he'll juggle? Maybe. (laughs) Nobody was like, hey, maybe he'll sit down at the piano and play us a nice piece. None of you thought, hey, look at him. He's pretty strong, which thank you for that. I do work out. But uh, maybe maybe he's going to do one of those strongman lifts. Do you see weights? None of you thought that. Maybe some of you did, but probably not. Because to do so would be to miss the point. Jesus wasn't there to be a judge. He wasn't there to be an arbiter. Well, why was Jesus there? That is a great question. I'm glad you're asking that, so let's get there. Loved ones, Jesus came to make dead people alive. Jesus came to fix the spiritual condition of the world so that all those who would receive him would no longer be dead in their sins but would be alive to God. Jesus comes, has come to breathe life into us. And so Jesus says, man, Who made me a judge and 
just a side note, whenever I read that, I always read man as like, man, you know, Jesus kind of like, the modern equivalent would be like, dude, dude, who made me a judge, right? That, that's not, some of, you, some of you want to say that, right? Man, go ahead and do that. Say man. All right, good. You're awake. Just making sure. Uh, Jesus is not about to try to decide this issue for them, though, because he knows that it goes a little deeper. He knows that it's a heart issue, and the guy doesn't see it that way because it's easy to miss the point. So look at verse 15. So then Jesus says to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions, right? So Jesus, I want you to fix this situation. Man, I'm not here to be a judge and be on guard. Watch out because your life is about more than stuff. What is greed? Well, the actual word there is covetousness. Greed is about an intense, selfish desire for something. Um, but the idea here is that you want more of what you already have enough of. I'm going to say that again. The idea here is that you want more of what you already have enough of. Be on guard against this. Well, why? Because if you don't, it will lead you to miss the point. Today's treasure is tomorrow's junk. I remember when I was in middle school... And I was opening my Christmas presents, and, and, and you know how it is when, when there's just one thing that you want, and you just can't wait to get it. And so I've got my presents, and you know, I'll open it up, and, and, and it's, a, it's a shirt. Um, okay, great, thanks, this is just what I wanted. What else, what else is there? And you open it up, and it's, it's another shirt. And, and, and you're going through, and it's like, but, but you know that one thing that I want, and I'm just going through, and I'm just thinking, and then this little box comes, and I'm thinking, this might be it. And I open it up, and there it was, a Sony Walkman right? Some of you remember what the Sony Walkman, for those of you who don't know, that's what it looked like, right? I couldn't believe it. I could finally go around and I could listen to my music. And, but then not many years later, I got a Sony Discman, right? Some of you owned one of those. And I had a lot of CDs. CDs were all the rage. I'd go to people's houses and they would have hundreds of CDs, right? And I would get a new CD, and, and, and what do you do when you get a CD? You take about it, an hour to try to get the package off, right? And, uh, and, and then you put it in, and you, of course, don't touch, the, don't touch the bottom part, and you put it in, and you listen to it. Then a few years later, I couldn't believe this thing even existed, but an iPod came out. And this is the original iPod, and I could fit thousands of songs on there, right? Mind blown, right? Do you, do you, know, where, you know where all those things are right now? They're, they're junk. They're, they're trash. They're, they're, they're gone. I was so excited when I got them, and now they're nothing. Who, who here has ever owned a Blackberry? Who here has owned, put, put that picture up. Yep, remember that bad boy? You had that, and when you got it, you were so excited. And, and then maybe over time, you got the first generation of the iPhone. Who had the first generation iPhone? First one. Not that many of you had the first generation, right? And you thought that was so cool. Those things right now are worthless. They are junk. They are trash. L last week, we had to trade in our 2005 Honda Pilot. It, uh, well, the air conditioning had broken, which was rough, and we lived with that. I mean, it was a very difficult summer. Good thing it wasn't too hot. Uh, but then our transmission was gone, and there was about four or five other things, and so we took it in, and this car was like, as we're going to the dealership, like, you could, you could just feel it, like, please, Lord, let us get one more mile, one more mile, but at some point, somebody drove that off the lot in 2005, and they were so excited about this brand new car, and now it is completely and totally worthless. 
Today's mansions are tomorrow's slums. Today's cars fill tomorrow's junkyards. Today's designer clothes, right? You buy those nice clothes and you pay a lot for them. Uh, They're at Goodwill now, right? Which my kids are glad you do that. Thank you for that. Keep putting those designer clothes at Goodwill because we we enjoy that very much. Everything has a shelf life. The, The new thing, the new gadget that you were once so excited about. And Jesus is saying, hey, watch out. Be on guard because your life is not about stuff. Grab a hold of that because it's too easy to miss the point. So then Jesus tells a story. Well, it's more than a story. It's a parable. And that is the name of the series that we're starting here. And it's parables. The English word parable comes from a Greek word meaning close beside or with. All right, so parable means close beside or with. It is when something is told alongside of a truth to help you understand. And in a parable, it's up to the listener to make the connection. Did you know that? The listener has to do the work in the parable. Some of you are thinking, I don't want to do any work, but that's how parables work. I'm going to give you a little parable just as an example. So in ancient times, there was a king, and he had a boulder placed on the roadway. And then he would hide himself, and he would see if anyone would remove this big rock. And some of the wealthiest merchants would would go by, and they would walk around it. And then they'd blame the king. Why won't the king do something about this rock? Get it off the road. He's not taking care of things. And then one day, a peasant came, And he had a load of vegetables, and he got to the boulder, and he saw it, so he put his vegetables down, and he's tried to move it, and it was so heavy, and and he's sweating like crazy, and finally, he gets it off to the side of the road, and he goes back, and he goes to pick up his vegetables, and he looks to where the boulder was, and there's a little bag there, a little purse, and he picks it up, and inside of it are a lot of gold coins, and he rifles through it, and there's a note in there from the king, and it says that the gold is for whoever moved the the boulder from the roadway. And at that moment, that man learned what many of us never understand, that every obstacle presents an opportunity to improve our condition, right? So that's a little parable because here's the thing. I'm not telling you what to do with that. Every obstacle presents an opportunity to improve our condition, right? It's up to you to make the connection between that and your life. And Jesus loved parables. And over the next couple of months, we're going to be teaching through a lot of different parables. Now, for me, I would read a parable sometimes and I would start to wonder, does Jesus even really want us to understand this? Like, because there are times where Jesus is like, you know, hey, there's, there's this guy and he's got some seed and he throws it down and it bounces off the rocks and, all right, see ya. You're like, what, what, what? what are we supposed to do with that? But see, here's the thing. Jesus knows that he wants us to do the work. How, how bad do you want the truth? That's why he says in that same parable that I just mentioned, he who has ears, let him hear. And he's saying, if you want the things of God, if you want the truth of God, it's up to the hearer. And so as you listen to the series, as we go through this, it is up to you to make the connections. It is up to you. We're going to do our best to explain and to proclaim God's word. We're not going to speak in, in confusion or anything like that. But it is up to you if you want the things of God to grab a hold of them. And so Jesus told them a parable. So let's look at Luke 12. I'm going to start reading in verse 16. It says, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. All right, so there's a guy and he's rich. Jesus doesn't have a problem with rich people. There's nothing to indicate that. Rich people are actually important in God's work. Abraham, in the Old Testament, very well off. David, Solomon, they were kings. I don't know if you know this or not, but kings are not exactly poor. When they needed a place to bury Jesus, who did they go to? Joseph of Arimathea, who was very rich. Rich people fund a lot of God's work throughout the world. The school that I worked at in Florida years before I got there, it had been destroyed by a hurricane, and they needed to rebuild it, and there was a very generous rich man who gave $1 million to help start that, right? Rich people are important in the kingdom of God. This guy's rich, and this guy's also a farmer. That means he's a hard worker. Have you ever met a lazy farmer, right? <laughs> no, you haven't. Up at dawn, working hard, getting the work done, and he was very successful because it says he had an abundant harvest, right? He was doing really well. Things were going well, so he ran out of room to store his crops. He was a good problem solver. So he tore down his barns and he built bigger ones. It makes sense, right? He wasn't afraid of hard work. There is nothing wrong with being rich or successful. Did you know that? According to the Bible, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. So one day, this guy was just chilling at home, enjoying the fruits of his labor, right? I just kind of imagine him, he's feeling great about his life, he's sitting in his basement, you know, he's, maybe he's watching Monday night football, and, and, and the Patriots are playing, and they're losing by like 100 points, and, and that's how you know it's not a real story, and, and, uh, and he's telling his wife, he's like, honey, life is so good, like, we're doing so well, I have everything that I need, and I am set for life, and then the doorbell rings, and he's like, don't worry, I'll get it, and he goes up to the door, and there's a man standing there, Farmer says, who are you? He says, I'm deaf. He says, you're deaf? What do you want? He said, well, I've come for you. No, no, there's a mistake. You're not here for me. Um, there's no mistake. I'm here for you. Oh, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. What, what is it gonna take for me to get out of this? Let me get my checkbook and I will give, as if your money would really mean anything to me, I, I'm telling you, I'm here for you. It's time, let's go. No, 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 no. You can't be here for me. I didn't, you, I didn't even know. I got no warning. Nobody told me. Re remember last month when you were at that funeral and the other funerals you've been to? Did you never think that one day your time would come? Remember when your wife dragged you to church and you heard that sermon and you were thinking, oh, I should do something about that? Did you never think you would run out of time? Your time has come. It is done. Let's go. The man is buried. And there's a stone, and it has his name on it, and it says, successful farmer and businessman. And God turns over to his angels and says, you see that? You know what that should say? It should say F-O-O-L, fool, because that's what that guy is. Look here at verse 20. He says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. And his sons maybe argue over what they get, and it's easy to miss the point. And so back to the beginning, Jesus is preaching. A guy interrupts him, says, tell my brother to share my inheritance with me. And Jesus just tells him this story that I just told you. Why? What's the point? Verse 21 says this. This is how it will be with whoever stores up for themselves, stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Jesus said, this is how it will be. You want to know how it is? The people who store up things here on this earth, this is how it will be. Uh, I took this... Um, 
graduate seminary class called Communicating on Biblical Truth. I expected it to be easy. I mean, I communicate biblical truth all the time. The first assignment I turned in and it really didn't go well and I was really stressing about the second one. And I was thinking, what does this guy even want? I don't really understand. Like, I feel like I know what I'm doing. And so I worked really hard on it and, and, and I would reread it and I'd read his notes again and I think this is what it is. And then it's an online class, so I submit it. And I keep refreshing and I keep refreshing and I'm just waiting for that grade and waiting and I just want to know that I did it right and I just, I was so, I was so concerned and then the teacher comes back and he sends me this video right here. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Harsh, right? No, I'm just kidding. I got an A. He didn't send me that video. But, but, but the, point, the point of it is, some of you are like, wow, you're really dumb. Like, you must have really messed that up. That hurts a little. But that's my fear, right? My fear is that he would come back with that and I would have totally missed the point. See, I don't want to find out that I did something wrong. I'm this way in most areas of my life. I'm, I'm raising three daughters and I don't want to get to that point where they're out of the house and, and they love the world so much and they just, they don't really have time for God. And I think, what did I do? Did I miss the point? I don't want my kids to leave the house one day and my marriage is not something that I did right and my wife turns to me and is like, well, they're gone and I guess I'm stuck with you, right? That's not what I want. I don't want that. I don't want to miss the point. I don't want to stand before Jesus one day and the Bible says we all will stand before Jesus one day and, and have him be like, what were you even doing with your life? Like you come, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to miss the point. And Jesus is saying, well, here's how to not miss the point. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. All right, so Jesus is saying we should be rich towards God. But I have a problem with that because I, I got to take care of my family, right? Like I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I got needs to, I mean, some of you know I've shared this room up here. You know, I, I've got a big tax bill. I've got to pay the IRS. Like being rich towards God, that's not going to make that happen. You know, yes, we were able to get a new car. One, I need another car. How am I going to do that? Being rich towards God, all right, I'll just pray, right? Is that, is, that, is that how it works? It's not always how it works, but Jesus continues in verse 22 because he anticipates our questions before we ask them. So Jesus says to his disciples, right? So he turns to his followers and says to them, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, the bird, not the football team. They, they, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? All right, I gotta stop there for a second because Jesus is like laying it down. He's saying, hey, hey, you're worried about all these things, but you can't even add one hour to your life by worrying. You could probably subtract an hour from worrying, right? You get so stressed, but he's like, what are you, you can't even do that. Your life is about more than this. I wonder, what do you worry about? You know me, I worry about job, my job, like things in my job. I, 
I worry sometimes about money. I worry about my kids, you know. I worry about relationships. And God says, I I have bigger plans for this, for for you than this. Look at verse 27. He says, consider how the wild flowers grow. They don't labor or spin. But yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor, Solomon was super rich, was dressed like one of these. Not even Solomon was dressed like one of these. Verse 28, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? And then he says, you of little faith. If you have your Bible, you want to underline that. You of little faith. And he continues and he says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat, drink. And I I underline this too. Do not worry about it. He's saying, hey, hey, do do you not know who I am? Do you not know what I want to do for you? I want you to not worry about it. I want you to trust me for the the pagan world, the world apart from God, runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. And then he says in verse 31, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. If you're going to worry, worry about things that matter. Do you know worry really sends the wrong message to God? Think about that. Worry sends the wrong message to God. It says to him, yeah, if I'm not really in control, if I don't really see how this is going to work out, then I, that's a real problem for me. And he says, do you not trust me in any way? Because sometimes it's easy to miss the point. I wonder about the things that we worry about. And I think, man, when I'm up at the middle of the night worrying about the things of God, when that's the thing, when I'm thinking about, God, how are you going to reach people in this community? How are you going to mobilize people in this church to really follow you passionately? That, that's when I'll feel like maybe I'm, I'm getting it. When you lay down at night, what, what, what are the things that flood your mind? So I, I brought a tire with me. Um, tires are important. I, I learned this one night coming back uh, from the airport. I had gone to a, a Christian and Missionary Alliance event in Colorado and um, got in my car from the airport and uh, decided I was going to drive home and, and, and surprise my family. I came back a little earlier than they were expecting. So I'm going down the highway, and um, I also decided I wanted to get some tacos. Uh, there's a great place off of 30, 38th Street that I, that I go to. So I thought, well, nobody really knows I'm home yet, so I'm just going to go off there. And it's, uh, it's called, it's called uh, Taqueria El Maguey. I'm telling you, it's uh, muy sabroso, so uh, check it out. Um, and so I'm, when I'm getting back on the highway, I kind of crossed over the median a little. Uh, you know, when you're merging onto the highway and there's that one little, so I didn't really think much of it. So there I am, I'm on 465 and I'm headed towards 65 and I'm noticing my car's driving a little funny, right? So I get a little worried, like something's going on, but it's the car I just traded in. It's a piece of garbage. So I was like, well, no big deal. Then I noticed the warning light came on. I had a flat tire. It's about 10, 15 at night or so. And I look around and it's the dark part of the highway. And I'm thinking, uh uh-oh, this is, this, is, this is not good. I'm starting to sweat a little bit. I'm looking around. There's not many cars, and I'm looking at the shoulder, and I'm thinking, well, it's, the, my, it's driver's side rear tire. So if I pull over on the side of the highway, how am I going to change that tire on the side of the highway with cars going by me? And I'm praying, and I'm just, I don't know what to do, so I just keep going, right? And so I got to where it merges with 65, and I'm looking, and I'm like, and it's still a little ways to 71st Street, the first exit. And it's like pitch black. And all of a sudden, traffic starts to increase. I'm going about 40 miles an hour in the right lane with my hazards on, kind of like, oh, please, don't kill me, don't kill me. And people, of course, are so understanding in these situations, right? And they're, they're waving at me, saying, hey, praying for you, and stuff like that. Um, 
And I finally exited. I got to the exit. And uh, the young woman who had been behind me was not very happy. And she had something to say as she was going by. And I just looked at her. I go, I'm sorry. Like, I've got this flat tire. There's nothing I could do. And I could hear, like, I'm telling you, like, I was almost on the rim. And, and I made it to this parking lot. And I was able to change my tire. And, you know, the reason I could keep going is because it was really only the outside part of the tire that was affected. Imagine the center of my tire had fallen out. I wouldn't have made it very far. Funny enough, I had a student many years ago when I was at a church in rural Ohio who was driving home in his Volkswagen bug and his tire fell off on a country road. True story. And I was like, dude, what did you do? He goes, I stopped. (laughs) Okay, I'm like, and then what did you do? He's like, I put the tire back on and went home. All right, because when the center of your tire is gone, there's literally nothing you can do. And I gotta ask you, what is at your center? What is the part of your life that everything else flows from. You know, this week somebody asked me, they said, hey, how do you balance God and a relationship? And I said, oh, it's an easy answer. You don't. You don't balance God with anything. God is first, and then everything else comes after that. Verse 31, Jesus says, seek his kingdom, and he will take care of the rest. But I wonder, is that how you and I live? You see, I tend to seek security, which is funny because this guy did the same thing, and Then one day there was that knock on the door and his security didn't matter a whole lot. I tend to seek comfort, but I don't want that to be my center, right? I don't want that to be in the middle. Maybe your center is money and and possessions. It's the thing that you protect your most. I mean, of course you love your family. Maybe you even have some affection towards God. But those things, those are more like the spokes on your tire, right? They're there, they're a part of it, but they are not the center. You drive hard at life to make sure you have the money to do the things that you want to do. And you're just saving up for college and you're just doing, saving up for this and, and you want your family to have nice things or, or maybe it's about stuff for you and, and, and you've got to make sure you get that bigger house or that nicer car and you'll blow out the spokes of your family or your work or your faith. You'll blow out the spoke of serving and generosity and more. Maybe you'll cut some corners to get there but you'll protect your center. Maybe for you, your center is power or or position. It's achieving something, no matter the cost. It seems we have some people running for political office right now that feel that way, no matter the cost, and other things become a lower priority because I've got to get there. I've got to have that position. I've got to work late. I've got to win this argument. I've got to beat this person. I've got to get there before them. Or maybe for you, your center is pleasure, Right? There's something that's at the center there that you manipulate everything else in your life to make sure you can do that thing. And it, it could, be a, could be a sexual habit. It could be, could be eating. It could be something else. It's a thing by which you arrange everything else around. Maybe you deceive others. Maybe you push things aside so you can do that thing. It's what you turn to. You see, there can be a lot of things at the center because it is so easy to miss the point. And Jesus is saying in Luke 12, there's only one thing worthy of being in the center of our souls, in the center of our lives, and that is something that is eternal. That's what he's saying to us. He's saying the only thing at the center of your life should be something that lasts, and what is that? That is knowing him. John 17, verse three, Jesus is speaking, and he says, this is eternal life. Well, okay, I want eternal life. What is it? That they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. This, loved ones, is the point, that there is nothing temporary worthy of being at our center. 
Only knowing Jesus lasts forever. Only the kingdom of God and the things we invest in that will matter. But yet we pour our time into everything else first. Don't be a fool. Nothing else is worthy. Nothing else deserves to be at the center because nothing else will last. And so that means that sometimes other things, the spokes will have to give if the kingdom of God, if knowing him is at the center. It means God gets your time, right? It means that's what you're gonna pursue when you get up in the morning, that there's gonna be time in the day where you're like, I, I'm gonna take, whether it's 15 minutes a day or five times a day, I'm going to be specific and say, God, you get my time first. What do you want from it? Uh, that, that means I'm gonna get involved in community, right? And you're, you made a big step by being here, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna invest in that because that's my center is knowing him. It means I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna find a way to have a weekly kingdom responsibility. I'm gonna roll up my sleeves and be a part of God's work in the church and in this world because he is my center. Knowing him is more important. Anything else is fair game because it's secondary. It means, it means my own sports. It means my kids' sports. It means they don't take priority because they're not my center. It means my job, my work does not come first because he is my center. It means power, position, pleasure. That means watching that show, eating that food, working out, relationships. Yeah, those, are, those can be a part of the equation, but they are not more important. And I don't choose those things first. I mean, stuff is not what this is all about. And I'm gonna keep going. And so loved ones, as you consider what's at the middle and what will last, I wanna say that when you get God in the center, guard your center because everything's gonna come after it. Because God is the one thing that isn't gonna be constantly meeting your, he's not constantly gonna be demanding things from you, right? You can ignore God for weeks and what? Like he's, he's not, you know, knocking on your door. He's not, you might feel a little nudging, but you ignore this other thing and somebody's gonna be affected. You've gotta guard your center, so I, I've seen this um, illustration done before, and I thought it would be very timely, so I'm gonna walk over here and get this. Uh, you, you know I'm not smart enough to make stuff like this up, so I'll just tell you I got it from somebody else. But um, I want you to imagine that this rope is a timeline. And I want you to imagine that this rope goes on forever and ever. It doesn't, it stops back there. Um, so you know, and it's a timeline, all right? And this is the amount of time we have on earth. Okay, this is it, the red. You guys see it? And look at this, look at the rope. It keeps going, keeps going. There's a whole bunch here and it just keeps going there forever and ever. Most of us spend most of our time only thinking about this red part. We spend our money to make sure we can be as comfortable as possible on this part right here. We don't think about the rest. We hold on to our time. I'm, I'm not gonna serve there. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not because we're, we're so focused on this part right here. We don't invest in knowing God. We don't invest in worship and serving God. You ever thought about what we're gonna be doing on this white part? I'm gonna tell you right now, we're going to be knowing him, worshiping him, and serving him. And it's going to be awesome. And if you're right here and you're like, that doesn't sound so great, that's because you're probably not doing it here. Because if you're doing it on this part, if you're doing it on this part, you're kind of going, are you serious? Like, I, I, I get to do that forever and ever and ever and ever? Yes. 
But some of us don't take the time to do that now, right? We don't, we don't invest in that relationship that will last. But the thing is, is how we live in this red part will determine how we live for all the rest of this. So why would I spend my time on this red part when it's so short? Some of you right now are crazy in the eyes of others in the best way possible. You're, you're, you're spending all that time to talk to a God that you can't even see? Are you, what, why? Well, because this time is short and I wanna focus on what matters there. You're, you're giving your money away? Like that's your money. Well, no, it's not really. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, so it's his, so I'm giving it back to him. You're gonna give all that time to serve. You were at the church all the time. Like, I'm gonna say one of the things that's cool about working in here is you get to see people who come in and, and, and there's, there's this woman who comes in on Fridays to set up our Discover stations uh, and she's literally here all day, like just pouring in, making sure they're set up and it is awesome. And you know why she's doing it? You know why? Because she's, this doesn't matter as much because this is really what matters more than anything. You're, you're going where on a mission trip? Seriously, you're gonna go to Africa? on purpose, like why would you do that? Which I just wanna say that some of you have had a nudging, I think, to go on that trip and maybe haven't taken the step towards that, right, the Kenya trip, and I wanna just encourage you to consider that. You only get one chance at this life. It's so short, Hebrews 9.27 said it is appointed for man to die once, and then comes judgment, that's it. There's no do-overs, and the Bible says that we are grass that withers, that we are vapors in the wind. This life is gonna be over in like 10 minutes, it seems like. And we're gonna look back at this part and be like, why did I do so much just to make sure that I had stuff here? Why didn't I think about forever and ever and ever? And so if you're already a person who says, you know what, God is the center of my life, I wanna encourage you to love more recklessly to give time and money more generously, to step up and reach out even more, to keep storing up things that last. Loved ones, keep your eyes on what lasts because it is easy to miss the point. And I wanna close with this verse. This is in Revelation chapter three, verse 21. So Jesus says this, he says, to him who overcomes, okay, overcomes what? To him who overcomes all the other things, all of the things that want to be at the center. To the one who keeps me at the center, he says, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father. So he's saying, look, I overcame, and I sat down with my father on the throne, and to the one who does the same, I'm going to let him do this. I want you to just imagine this. You get to heaven, all right, and you're standing before Jesus. That could either be literally the worst moment of your life or the greatest moment of your life. And if you know him, you're gonna see him and you're gonna be like, it's Jesus, it's the one I lived my whole life for and there he is and it's gonna be more awesome than anything, which let me say, you can't fake this moment. You know how you write papers and stuff and it's like, I didn't even read the book, but I went ahead and yeah, it's not like that. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, many will come to me on that day and say, here's what I did and I'll say, I never knew you. So you either know him that you don't at that point. And for those that know him, for those who overcame, he's gonna say to you, hey, you know what? Why don't you come sit with me on my throne? Why don't you come over here? What? You, you, you want me to sit? Yeah. I want you to come and sit with me. I, I want to sit on that seat. 
Like I wanna, I wanna, I wanna sit there with him. I want, I want all of this stuff, what, what the Bible calls momentary afflictions, to just be like gone and I wanna see him and I wanna say, I overcame. And now I get to sit with you? Yeah, come sit with me. Loved ones, that gets better. I tell people all the time, there are better days ahead and somebody asked me this week, they said, how do you know that? And I said, because you love Jesus. And because one day, if you overcome, you will, and I gave him this verse, you will sit there and he will say, come and sit with me. I love that. So spend your life for what lasts because it is far too easy to miss the point. Let's pray. Father, I am thankful for the truth of your word and I am thankful that you have reached into our lives so that we could know you. Like, who are we? Think of the scripture that says, what, who, who is man that you are mindful of him? Why do you even think of us? It just says everything about you and just how incredibly awesome you really are. And God, forgive us for the ways that we spend all of our time, so much of our time, investing on the things that won't last, in, in the things that won't last. Would you just raise up from this room people in this moment right now who will say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna go in a different direction. I want to I I change my center. I want knowing him and, and, and living for his kingdom to be at the center. And for those who are already doing that, God, would you give them specific things? Hey, I want you to give more. I want you to love more. I want you to intentionally make this choice so you can invest in things that will last. God, help us to not be people who miss the point. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.